The following is a hoop ball presentation. Ladies and gents, we might have one more game of basketball left for a very long time. Okay, very long time is kind of relative, I guess. A couple months for sure, but for me, a very long time is 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 a couple months. So. There you go. Welcome to NBA Today. Hoop Ball presentation. Follow Hoop Ball on Twitter at Hoop Ball Tweets, hoop-ball.com. I'm your host, sometimes with the most, Corbin Ford. You can follow me on Twitter at CorbinNBA. Please do appreciate it. Um, This is a day where I'm recording this. This is the 6th on a Tuesday of October. You'll be listening to this, obviously, on the 7th, where the Lakers have won again, pushing the Heat to the brink of elimination down three games to one in the 2020 NBA Finals. This was the game where for LA, several players stepped up huge. Obviously, you have the two main guys. LeBron James, 28 points on 50% shooting, 12 rebounds, 8 assists. Anthony Davis, 22 points, also on 50% shooting, 9 rebounds, 4 assists, 2 three-pointers, one being the clincher with just under a minute left in the game. But really... The, the big MVP for me, for the Lakers, was Contavious Caldwell-Pope. KCP, coming up clutch. Get it? Clutch like he came up clutch, but also the agency where him, LeBron, and others are. Yeah, okay. Anyway, he did come up clutch. 50% shooting, 15 points, 5 assists, 3 rebounds, solid defense, 3 three-pointers, 2 timely buckets in the final moments of the game, final minutes rather, one a big corner pocket 3-ball, another penetration straight to the lane with a tough finish on a layup when the defense was really keying in on LeBron and AD down the stretch. Contavious Caldwell-Pope kept the the skids going, kept them greased, kept them moving. Rajon Rondo did not have a very good game as far as scoring. One of seven from the field, missed several shots very badly. Five rebounds, or seven rebounds rather, five assists. Alex Caruso played tough defense, seven points, uh, two rebounds added to that. Markeith Morris had nine points, three boards, and two assists off the bench. Uh, and then Dwight Howard played seven minutes, largely ineffective. Danny Green, slightly better, 10 points, 50% shooting, two threes. But really, those were the guys. LeBron, AD, and Contavious Caldwell-Pope. KCP wins the Corbin MVP for Game 4 without his contributions. I mean, it's weird to say without his contributions, the Lakers don't win this game. In a game where they out-rebounded, out-assisted, out-stole, out-blocked. Well, actually, my mistake. Out-rebounded, out-assisted, out-blocked. They did not um, have more steals than the Heat. The Heat had eight to the Lakers' five. But they did shoot better from the field. They did shoot better from three. And they did shoot better from the free throw line. With solid 44, 35, and 85 splits. So that, that was pretty that was pretty solid for them. In a tight game, the biggest lead for the Lakers was nine. The biggest lead for the Heat was five. There was nine times that the game was tied. Nine lead changes. And the longest run was a 10-0 run for the Lakers. That was it. This is a game that did go down to the wire, but ultimately, I think, within the margins, we understand that the Lakers are simply a better team. And this is especially damning for the Heat, because Goran Dragic did try to warm up, earned a lot of respect from Heat players and Heat fans and NBA fans all over. With that horrible plantar uh, fascia injury that he has, he was trying to take shots and, and was taking shots before this game to kind of warm up and see if he could play on it. Unfortunately, he could not. So, you know, same rotation as the last couple of games. Jimmy Butler, Jay Crowder at the forward positions. Bam Adebayo returning. Yes, Bam Adebayo returned after missing the last two games. 
with that shoulder injury. Played well. 15 points on 6-8 shooting, 7 rebounds, 1 assist. Gave the Heat a boost early. Was largely ineffective down the stretch. Duncan Robinson played well. 17 points, 3 threes, including a crazy banked one in the 4th. Uh, perfect from the free throw line. 3 assists as well. Tyler Hero is who I was getting to. The sneering Tyler Hero. Uh, remember his... Uh, decently moderately difficult layup over LeBron and then the oh yeah I'm a, I'm a sneering cat now yeah it was so lame so overdone anyway he played right he scored 21 points seven rebounds three assists uh eight to 18 shooting three of seven from three uh he needs to know that he gets to the lane sometimes and he's looking for these calls that in my opinion you get if you're an experienced vet not a young rookie however well you've played those aren't calls you're getting especially when you match up with LeBron and AD a lot that's this is not going to happen so I think that it would have behooved Tyler Hero to play a little more within the sense of the offense. Uh, he basically led, or he didn't basically, he led the Heat in shot attempts. I, I don't want that. If I'm a Heat and I'm looking for a path to victory, it isn't consistently going through Tyler Hero. Let's just say that. Jimmy Butler, 22 points, 10 rebounds, 9 assists, another solid game. Didn't uh, He shot three threes, missed them all. The Lakers were content to give him the outside shot. They did not respect it, and rightfully so in this instance. He did get to the line. He did, you know, do some damage in the paint with that nice mid-range jump shot that he has. But altogether, you saw how that ended. 8-17 from the field. Still solid, but just not super effective for what the Heat needed. They needed some more offense down to stretch. They completely fell apart. Some of that was led by the Lakers' defense really clamping down and making things difficult. But overall, it, it, the offense just wasn't there when it was needed for the Heat. And so that's why when the series resumes Friday, the Lakers with a 3-1 lead can just take the title potentially. They they really could right now. So we'll see what we'll see what happens. And my fault. I said Bam Adebayo had the shoulder injury. He did. He's been banged up. A lot of players have, but he missed those last two games with a neck injury. I apologize for totally uh miscalling that one. But yeah, it, it, this was a, it was a tough game. LA kept leading, Miami kept chasing, they kept kind of making it close. It really matched the canter of the last couple of games. For the Lakers, excluding Game Three, of course, where the Lakers had a lead, the Heat would kind of battle back. The Lakers would do it again. That that thing was going on. Um, in general, the Lakers tonight shot or last night shot 14 of 39 on three. It's pretty solid. That makes them 59 for 166 this series. Before this year, the Lakers' record for threes in a finals were 43 makes and 125 attempted, both of which just in these first three games alone have already been surpassed. So that's pretty crazy. Um, aside from that, apparently Duncan Robinson, who three-pointer on Tuesday was his 50th of the playoffs. That makes him and Jay Crowder the first duo in Heat history with 50 postseason threes apiece. And I tried to think about this. I was like, okay, you had those pace and space uh, Miami Heat shooter teams back in 2012-2013. But I'm like, yeah, those guys were bombing, but a lot of the offense is still going through LeBron, who, while shooting threes, is getting a lot more to the rim. Dwayne Wade, same thing, even less of a three-point shot. And then Chris Bosh, who spaced out and shot a lot of threes, but definitely not 50 makes. And so, thinking about it, that does make sense. And if you're looking at previous Heat teams that were successful in that way, I mean, you're looking at the 2006 Heat team, they had some three-point shooters, but they weren't of that caliber, in my opinion. Jason Williams, Anton Walker, um, trying to think of other guys. I can't think of any other guys at the top of my head um, that were shooting threes. Jason, uh, I said Jason Williams already. So, you had those guys. And then before that, you're looking at like one or two guys. Vashawn Leonard in the 90s, um, Glenn Rice back in the day. Yeah, thinking about it, it makes sense. That's crazy to think about that, but uh, Duncan Robinson, Jay Crowder, first do in Heat history with 50 postseason threes apiece. And they're the fourth team in NBA history at all to pull off that feat. So that's crazy. So now we get to this last little bit on 3-1 leads. Now this is this 3-1 lead the Lakers have. This is the 36th time that a team has held a 3-1 lead in the NBA Finals. 
the last 35 times, the team that has had that lead has gone on to win that 34 times. You notice I made an exception there. There is one exception. Cleveland, this is for you. I, I changed the voice a little bit. One, I'm not going to match LeBron's cadence or, or, or baritone voice. Two, I have head, headset on. I don't want to, you know, blow everyone's uh, ears out with that one. But you get it. LeBron James, that 2016 Cavs team, was the last and only team to win three straight games and win the NBA Finals. In a 3-1 final situation, the series is ending in five games 51% of the time, in six games 40% of the time, and in seven games 8% of the time, and three times has reached the seventh game. So we'll see. If any team can get it to seven, Miami can. Uh, for my money, this is over, and I want to heavily lean toward being over in five. But with the way that the Lakers can have a letdown game and with just how good this Miami Heat team has been, even battered, even up against the wall, even with all this adversity, I want to say six games. I think I said six earlier, and I'm going to stick with that. So I'm going to say Lakers in six. But we'll have to see. This Miami team has a lot of fight in them yet. They've played. They've made every game tough down the stretch with the exception of game one. And you have to look at a team that's coached by Eric Spolster that's led by a tough, gritty group of people to say, hey, we have the collective talent to make this tough. If we go down, we're not going down without a fight. As Jimmy Butler said, you can't lose another. So they're going into every mindset where you can't lose another game. So it has to be on LeBron James. It has to be on Anthony Davis. It has to be on that collective veteran team that the Lakers have to say, okay, you know what? We're going to have to fight like we never fought before. Put this team down and get the Lakers 17 NBA championship. And we'll have to see if that happens. Support for this podcast and other hoop ball amazing productions are brought to you by two amazing partners of ours. One being my bookie. You have basketball going on. Maybe a game left at this point. We'll have to see. You have football in full swing. You have baseball in the postseason. All of these sports are going on right now. My bookie is already accepting and has been accepting bets on all of them. There has never been a better time to start exploring the world of sports betting. My bookie's a home run. It's a slam dunk. It's a triple overtime game-winning shot all wrapped up into one. We love it. You love it. I love it. My mama love it. Your mama love it. Everybody loves it. So check it out. That's all I'm saying. It's never been a better time to start betting today. And if you join today, my bookie will match your deposit 100%. Plus, baseball's still in full swing, right? They'll toss you a free $10 MLB future wager. All you got to do is enter promo code HOOPBALL. I'll say that one more time because I think I blurred through that one, ladies and gentlemen. All you have to do is enter promo code HOOPBALL, H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L when signing up. HOOPBALL, H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L when signing up. Remember, at my bookie, the terms are simple. You bet, you win, they pay. That just sounds gosh darn amazing. Honest to goodness, right? Right. But that's not all. We also have another amazing partner that HOOPBALL works with, and that is the great team over at Manscaped, which is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. They obsess over the technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Now, Manscaped, they prevent all sorts of sad stories about people getting, you know, horrific uh, catastrophes down under, and um, I am no exception. I've had that, but I'm not going to share that here. So, you know, just imagine a horrible or, or funny or, or both Manscaped story, and then think about this being the reason that Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team has spent 18 months perfecting the greatest hair trimmer ever created, and they just released the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. Now, their third-generation trimmer comes with a whole lot of goodies, y'all, like oodles and oodles of goodies, but it features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce manscaping accidents thanks to Manscaped's advanced skin-safe technology. And when I tell y'all this is premium, I mean it, y'all. It is premium. 
The battery lasts up to 90 minutes, so you can take a longer shape, but that's not all. They got water-resistant technology that allows you to groom in the shower. They have an LED light, which illuminates these grooming areas for a closer and more precise trimming, but they also upgraded to a 7,000 RPM motor with QuietStroke technology, and you absolutely, positively cannot forget about the charging stand. Show your mower off loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock that is powered by the great USB. If you're listening to speak right now, and you are because MBA Today, of course, I want you to experience this firsthand for yourself. So get 20% off plus free shipping with the code HoopBall20 at Manscaped.com. 20% off plus free shipping with the code HoopBall20 at Manscaped.com. HoopBall20, H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L-2-0, all together at Manscaped.com. I'll do it for y'all one more time. 20% off and free shipping with the code HoopBall20 at Manscaped.com. Check out those offers. My bookie, Manscaped. Great partners. This is a great show. Hoopball is a great group. It all comes together for great for you. (laughs) One basketball finals is on the precipice of being over. Another one ended last night. Yep. In the WNBA, Brianna Stewart and the Seattle Storm blew out, absolutely blew out the Las Vegas Aces. And and when I say blew out, y'all, I mean, it 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 was a crazy score. You ready for this? I mean, this is just how electric the Seattle Storm are, but they won 92 to 59 to earn their fourth WNBA championship in franchise history. That's a ton. I mean, this team, the Seattle Storm, have been electric all season with a high-powered offense, a stingy, tenacious defense, and great star power led by the great Brianna Stewart. As has been this whole season, though, it was a dynamic duel. Brianna Stewart and longtime vet, about to be 40 in over a week and some change, Sue Bird powered the Storm to their second title in three seasons. Uh, The one time they didn't, they both missed last year with injuries. And that was a sweep. It was the biggest margin of victory in NBA Finals history. The fourth title in franchise history for the Storm, who also won in 2004, 2010, and 2018. And Seattle pretty much brought back the same core group that won the 2018 championship back, led by Breonna Stewart, Sue Bird, and and Jewel Lloyd. Um, With that fourth championship, the Storm now join the Minnesota Lynx and the now-defunct Houston Comets as the only franchises to win four championships. Seattle has now won a record 11 games in a row in the WNBA Finals, dating to the team's first championship back in 2004. And, I mentioned Sue Bird turning 40 next week. She's been a catalyst, not only for the Storm this year, but since the very beginning, because she's been a part of all of these championships. She says she's most proud of the fact that she's won it all with one franchise in three different decades. That is crazy. She's been in the WNBA for technically nine, 19 seasons. She's played 17 of them, and and, and that's crazy. Uh, now, it's funny. Sue Bird did have 5.7 assists in the clincher. She said she hasn't thought about whether she'll come back next year, and that is interesting. She said, and I quote, Interestingly enough, it's never a day of decision. I just kind of start working out and see how I feel. I wish I could give you more. If the way I feel right now, if I can go through my offseason and continue to build on that in a good way, I don't see why I won't be playing next summer. So we'll have to see. Legendary career for Sue Bird, whether or not this is it or not. If she goes out with the championship, that is a sweet finish that most veterans do not get to go out on top. You know what I mean? After after playing at a high level for a number of years, in this case, darn near two decades. But we go from one star who may be closing her career, at very least is definitely you know at the twilight of it, to one who is in her prime with the 26 Brianna Stewart, who set a WNBA record for scoring more than 20 points for the sixth straight finals game. She was a unanimous MVP. Second time in her career she's won the award. She's become the fifth player with multiple finals MVPs. And if you don't remember, or if you just haven't you know, been aware of the WNBA, she played so strong after recovering from a torn Achilles tendon that silenced her for the entire 2019 season. The entire 2019 season. 
comes back, plays as well as she has, and 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 just oh my gosh, what a dominant performance for her. And let's give some love to the Aces. They were missing two big players for their team um, in Liz Cambage and Kelsey Plum. They were stars from last year. Uh, Cambage was granted a medical exemption to skip playing this season, and Plum tore her Achilles tendon or her own Achilles tendon before the start of the season, so she missed it. So it really a lot of it came down to the shoulders of Asia Wilson, who was the league's regular season MVP, and she did her best to keep the Aces in it. Now, I mean, she failed because they got blown out by a lot, but she had 14 of her 18 points in the first quarter. She had five of her first nine shots. She also took four of the team's six free throws in the period. They played through a Wilson, and Wilson led them as far as she could take them. The Aces led the league by averaging more than 23 attempts in the regular season. And what's a shame, and what Coach Bill Lambeer was upset about, is that they only had five total in Game 2. They, they really couldn't find their way to the line. Despite scoring the first seven points of the game and coming with that desperation, Las Vegas trailed 23-20 after the end of one quarter. Um, and then the Storm just closed the period at 11-2 run. Then they scored the first six points of the second, and then the route was pretty much on. Um, but you know what? Like I said, the Aces have a chance next year. They're a good team. Wilson's played well. Cambage and, and Plum will be back hopefully next year. And also, you can't forget, six woman of the year, Dierica Hamby uh, had been dealing with a quad injury for the past two months, and then her right knee got injured in Game 3 of the semifinals against Connecticut, so she did not play in the finals. She played through the injury she had in that Game 3, but didn't finish the series and, and didn't finish this one either. Didn't even make it to the WNBA Finals. Um, she averaged 13.7 rebounds, 2 assists, and 1 steal during the regular season. So, she was a big, big part of what Las Vegas did, and it's a shame they didn't have her. Unfortunately, Angel McCaltry, the veteran, feel very bad for her. She came to Las Vegas this season. She had spent her entire career in Atlanta. She was drafted number one back in 2009. She led the dream to three WNBA Finals appearances, but the team was swept in each one. And they were swept in this one, too. So now she is 0-12 in the championship round. So sad. But, you know, like I said, looking at next year, hopefully between McCautry, Wilson, Plum returning, Cambage returning, Hamby returning. They're going to have a very, very good team. And, and honestly, what a season for the WNBA. They've gone through just as much change as the NBA, playing in a bubble experience, having their games truncated, you know, having uh, similar adversity. And they close out their season. And, you know, by, all, by most accounts, it was success. And that's great for the league as a whole, trying to grow it and get people to watch. And also, you know, be able to be flexible and adapt to the different changes. And this is, you know, losing your star rookie, you know, literally after the first game of the year and having other issues pop up with injuries and such. Great, great perseverance for the WNBA to kind of go through that. And you know what, that, that, that's, that's hats off to them entirely. I love watching the NBA, WNBA, but in general, like, check them out. They're really good. And that's all I really got to say about that. Okay, news, news. Not all of it great news, but news just the same. We head over to Milwaukee first where apparently Milwaukee has scrapped plans to use the Milwaukee Bucks Arena for voting. Uh, that was the plan at the Fisher and Miller Park. They scrapped those early voting plans, uh, citing fear that the ballots could be legally challenged. Um, the city election for Milwaukee Commission had planned to use Fisher, Forum, and Miller Park between October 20th and November 1st as sites where people can vote early in person or return absentee ballots ballots received by mail, um, and the commission developed the plan in an effort to provide safe voting sites during the coronavirus pandemic. However, they said those plans were being shoved due to concerns that the sites had been designated later than required by state law. They were to have been designated by June 12th, and the plan for Fisher and Miller was implemented on September 1st. So, obviously, it was a little rough there, some legal finagling going on, and, and obviously they weren't able to do that, which is a shame. 
because the NBA was really you know excited. The Bucks having been literally the spot where Jacob Blake was shot in the back seven times and partially paralyzed by a white police officer in Kenosha. That really inspired um, the NBA, the Bucks in general. Uh, uh, to have a league that has primarily black players to say that minorities in cities such as Atlanta, Charlotte, North Carolina, California, Sacramento, New York, Houston, Los Angeles can all get together and, 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 and get out there and vote. And the plays I just mentioned all agreed to such plans. So it's a shame that that fell through. The Bucks did release a measured statement on the news. They said, and I quote, while we were excited to welcome voters to Fisher Forum to cast their votes ballots in a, sal- in a safe and accessible way, excuse me, we remain just as committed to encouraging and educating people to vote and making our voices heard in this election, end quote. That's what the team said. So voting events are still on track in other NBA cities. Um, the Pepsi Center was set to open October 30th in early in-person um, voting, and the Nuggets tweeted on Tuesday to encourage voters to follow that up. In Atlanta, the Hawks Stadium was used as an August primary and was set to open next week for early voting, and then the Jazz Arena in Salt Lake City was to be an election day voting site as well. So we will see how that works, but that was the news in Milwaukee uh, concerning that, and we'll have to keep stay tuned. It's uh, going to be a crazy month ahead of us. It, it already is been a crazy month, and this isn't just an NBA, y'all. This is all over. going to be a very crazy month. Um, Got some awards to talk about, or really just one big award, or one main award. Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday is in the news. He uh, was nominated by 53. 53 of 267 first-place votes by NBA players. Selected him as the recipient of the 2019-2020 Twyman Stokes Teammate of the Year Award, and that's what the NBA announced yesterday. The award has been presented annually since the 2012-2013 season, and it recognizes the player deemed the best teammate based on selfless play on and off court leadership as a mentor and role model to other NBA players as well as commitment and dedication to the team and that's what Drew Holiday was in encapsulated in a nutshell more than 250 NBA players submitted their votes for the 2019-2020 Twyman Silks Team of the Year award through confidential balloting conducted by the league office and NBA players determined the winner from among the 12 nominees who were selected by a panel of league executives so you had Holiday then you had Philadelphia 76 forward Tobias Harris in second. Then Milwaukee Bucks forward Kyle Korver in third. Um, players were awarded 10 points for each first-place vote. They were awarded 7 points for each second-place vote. They were awarded 5 points for each third-place vote. And then 3 points for each fourth-place vote. And 1 point for each fifth-place vote. In addition to Holiday, Harris, and Korver, the other finalists were Dallas Mavericks guard J.J. Barea, Denver Nuggets forward Torrey Craig, Los Angeles Lakers forward Jerry Dudley, Miami Heat forward Udonis Haslam, Boston Celtics forward Gordon Hayward, Toronto Raptors forward slash center Serge Ibaka, Portland Trailblazers guard Damian Lillard, San Antonio Spurs guard Patty Mills, and Indiana Pacers center Miles Turner. Now, looking back, Holiday had a pretty solid season for the Pelicans. He's 30 now. He spent the last seven seasons with New Orleans after playing his first four with Philadelphia. He was selected um, as an all-star way back in 2012-2013, but has also been the all-defensive team um, for each of the past two years before this season. He had uh, 2017-2018 and then 2018-2019. In the 2019-2020 season, he averaged 19 points, six assists, and four rebounds, along with a steal and a half a game in 61 games across both the regular season and seeding games. So we'll have to see uh, a little bit about his future, not only in in New Orleans, because he could be traded, but just in general. But let's get some background on the Twyman Stokes Team of the Year Award. It is named for Jack Twyman and Maurice Stokes, who had a friendship that transcended both of their own individual Hall of Fame accomplishments. Twyman and Stokes were teammates on the Rochester slash Cincinnati Royals from 1955 through 1958. In the last game of the 1957-1958 regular season, Stokes sustained an injury that led to his falling into a coma days later and sadly ultimately be helping or um, enabling him or 
you know, resulting in him becoming permanently paralyzed. He was diagnosed with post-traumatic, and en- excuse me for if I butcher this, encephalopathy. Encephalopathy. Uh, that's my third time trying it. I apologize. A brain injury that damaged his motor control center. Stokes was supported for the rest of his life by Twyman, who became his legal guardian and advocate. Uh, Twyman helped organize the NBA's Maurice Stokes Memorial Basketball Game, which raised funds for his medical care. And after Stokes died in 1970 at age of 36, he did this for other players in need. In 2004, after years of lobbying for Twyman, Stokes was enshrined in the Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame. Twyman, who would have been elected in 1983, died in 2012. And honestly, that's just a sad story, but a great one. Showing how friendship can really transcend, obviously, the game of basketball, but just in life. Human beings caring about each other and rising above adversity, doing the greater good for each other as people. And and that story touches me. I remember reading about that when I was very young and going, wow, it, just how traumatic that injury is in of itself. But of someone saying, hey, you know what, we're going to get through this together. And especially, and this isn't lost on me, in the 50s where Stokes, a black man, and Twyman, a white man, was was really going through a, a tough time, both in, in race relations, but in the shifting, just constantly turning climate back then in the U.S. in the 1950s and 60s. And to do that, and to stand up for a guy like that in his time of need, it's so inspirational. And something that sticks with me, and something that I just, hats off to that award, hats off to Jack Twyman, rest in peace to him, and rest in peace to Maurice Stokes. Um, It's just a crazy story that really makes you think about the the good moments in life. There's so much that is down, there's so much going on, but there are stories, stuff that's happened now, stuff that's happening now, and stuff that's happened in the past that we can look back and go, wow, you know, like, there is good out there, and we can also strive to not be a Jack Twyman, but as good in our own way. Acts of kindness that can transcend individual moments in time. Last piece of news, former New Orleans coach Alvin Gentry, who has spent the fa- last five years. I have been flubbing my words over this show, y'all. I am sorry, ladies and gents. I don't know what's wrong with me here, but I'm a chocolate up to fatigue. Anyway. As I was saying, Alvin Gentry, who spent the last five seasons as the head coach of the New Orleans Pelicans, is now off the board. He's expected to join the Sacramento Kings as an assistant under coach Luke Walton. Uh, if you remember, it only happened a couple weeks ago. Gentry was fired shortly after the team was eliminated from the playoff bubble um, and playoff contention, which sucked to me because, as I said before, and I'll say it again, the Pelicans suffered a plethora of injuries. You didn't have... Zion Williamson for a whole lot. You didn't have several players that were very key. Obviously, there were some issues that Alvin Gentry probably could have, you know, tried to shore up. The defense was pretty bad in general, but, I mean, I don't know how much you lay at his feet. Anyway, the Pelicans did, and they fired him. Um, ultimately, Gentry's time in the Big Easy was pretty much a disappointment. He finished with a 175-225 win-loss record. That is, 175 wins to 225 losses, and in his five years, only made the postseason once. But despite his struggles as a head coach, just in general, because uh, it's not just what happened in New Orleans. He didn't have the best of luck in other coaching stops outside of Phoenix, which I remember pretty fondly. Gentry is one of the most well-respected figures in the league, and he's had multiple job offers. The Philadelphia 76ers were eager to add Gentry to, to coach Doc Rivers' staff, and if you remember, Gentry did work with Doc Rivers in Los Angeles during the 2013-2014 season. Instead, Gentry decided to take the Sacramento Kings job. While the Kings won't be as good as the Sixers next season, Gentry also has a relationship with Walton dating back to when they worked together and also while this isn't something that might be said out loud whose job do you think is safe for next season Doc Rivers of the Philadelphia 76ers or Luke Walton with the Kings I just I, I'm, I'm a bet you, I'm a bet y'all right now end of next year Alvin Gentry will go down as the coach of the Kings easy 
There was no way he was going to do that with the Philadelphia 76ers. But with Luke Walton just dropping all expectations as coach of the Kings, I think it's going to happen very, very soon. Especially since they just hired a new general manager in Monty McNair. I just don't think the front office is going to have a whole lot of loyalty to that. Um, I would check on the Hoopball Kings podcast for more information there, but I don't see it. And with that, I can see Lou Walton out the door. And guess what? Alvin Gentry right back in the head coaching game. That is some next-level flexing right there. That is that is that is light years ahead, to quote the Golden State Warriors. I love Alvin, so this is just me fanning out right now. But honestly, that's a smart decision. Have a relationship with both point people? Great. You're friends with Luke Walton? Great. Friends with Doc Rivers? Awesome. Go to the one that is on the shakier ground. I'm just kidding. I'm sure that Alvin Gentry is not you know, that malicious. But in terms of just being pragmatic about it, it's a thought, right? Exactly. All right, y'all. I think I gabbed on and flubbed words and kept y'all going from story to story for long enough. It has been fun, as it always is. Make sure to follow me at CorbettNBA on Twitter. I would appreciate it. If y'all could rate and review, subscribe, all that good stuff that really helps this show kind of get his name out there. I'm trying to get a little better. So, you know, I don't mind right now because I can still kind of work out the kinks and improve the show. And then when I really start making that campaign to up all the, the ratings, then by that time, they'll see the finished product. And it's like, boom, right? But in the meantime, that would be helpful to me. You know, also helpful to the wonderful hoopball team that helps put this all together. But also, speaking of hoopball, check them out, hoop-ball.com, on Twitter, at hoopballtweets. Loads of fantasy NBA perspective, loads of actual general NBA analysis, top-notch. You have team-specific podcasts out the wazoo. I mean, there's only bigger plans for next year. I'm just saying, might as well get on board right now and check that out. Speaking of stuff to check out, my friend Garrett Bouguet good friend of mine co-host i am a co-host of his show duncan dynasty so check that out on twitter at duncan dynasty check him out on twitter at garrett bouguet great basketball analysis and also he's not bad with the movie takes and really i think i plugged everyone i can remember so that's all i got take care stay frosty y'all and i'll talk to y'all real soon hi this has been a hoop bowl presentation